I want to start here tonight by just kind of bringing us up to the book of Joshua. And it's really cool this Sunday in Psalm 105, it's kind of, you know, a, a, a recap of Abraham all the way up to the time of Moses. And uh, it would have been perfect actually to do that tonight, then jump in to this next Sunday. But we're in the Psalms on Sunday, the Joshua tonight. So I am going to kind of go through things from Abraham down through Isaac and Jacob and Joseph all the way, you know, down to Moses, the Exodus, the wilderness. I'm going to try to do that real quickly. And then uh, this Sunday, we're going to go into some more details and really cool in Psalm 105. There's some just really neat things there in kind of a, a, you know, a, a brief account of that. And it's all, you know, predicated on giving praise to God and thanks to God. And look at the great things God has done and is doing and what he's going to do. And there's so much application for us through all of that because we know God separated Israel to bring the Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I think we're going to just get a lot of really neat encouragements and insights and wisdoms in that. And so uh, that's Sunday. But where we are tonight, again, just I want to I want to see if in five minutes or so so that will Steve time that's probably 15 minutes uh kind of bring us through Genesis all the way up there through Deuteronomy you know real briefly because as I shared recently about two and a half years ago we were about ready to go into Joshua then kind of the world changed overnight we're like let's do the Olivet Discourse you know when Jesus was asking about the end of the age and then let's book, do the book of Daniel and hey we're, we're we've gotten this far let's go through Revelation and so, you know, it's kind of like if you were at those studies, you know, you're like, okay, time to pick it back up. And if not, all that stuff's online. It's all out there. Again, we know Genesis uh, beginnings, creation. We read about it. We read about the fall of man. Praise God. God didn't leave us there. He gave the promise of the Savior. The serpent would bruise his heel, but the Lord Jesus would come and crush his head. And he has indeed done that. We know that from there, we follow the genealogy from Adam all the way down to Noah. And we touched on this a bit Sunday, that that flood came because the hearts of men were wicked, great violence in the earth. And Noah found favor with God, not because of him, but because of God's grace, his faith in the Lord. And there were other factors in that as well with, uh, you know, bloodlines and all that sort of thing. But we do know that Noah preached that gospel for 120 years while he built that ark. And we know he got on that ark. And God did a reboot at that time. And when they got off that ark, God chose to birth a nation, to separate that nation from other nations. And the main reason for that was to separate not just an individual or individuals, but an entire nation aside. Again, so that nation could birth and through that nation could come the savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that God called a man named Abram out of the Ur of the Chaldeans, which was on the other side of the Jordan, east of the Jordan. And him and his father, they worshiped foreign gods. They had obviously though an understanding of the savior to come because the Lord showed up to Abram, which means father of many. And he said, hey, come and follow me and put my put your trust in me and through you i'll birth a multitude and through you again i want to bring the savior of the world through you i want to birth a nation and we know abraham or abram heeded that call 
Again, God gave him many promises. We'll touch on some of them tonight. Even gave him promise that this nation that would be given to him would be given land. And that deed has never been taken away by God. And even when they even say that Israel is occupying someone else's land, they do not know the scriptures. And that is an antichrist position whether it's coming from someone secular or someone in the church who says they're a Christian. And fortunately, there's a lot of people doing that. God needed them that land. And we talked a lot about that in our end time studies. We'll touch on that again. But also, and more important, again, and, and this is gonna come up over and over again, that God said through Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Remember, said, he who blesses you will be blessed. He who curses you will be cursed. And through you, it's in Genesis 12, those first three verses, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so even as we're reading this stuff tonight, th- th- this applies to us. We're blessed because of these things. This isn't just stuff that happened in ancient times. This is stuff that happened in ancient times that affects us today. And tonight we can raise our hands and give praise to God because of what God did through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, through Joshua and God sustaining them and being true to his promises. I get excited about that. And again, a lot here that applies to the end as well because God's promises are true. He keeps his covenants. And we'll see even in Israel and all their wayward ways, we know in these last days God has regathered her. And we know in the millennial reign of Christ, the land that we'll talk about tonight promised to them will be fully given and will rule and reign with Christ in that time. So again, the promise was given to Abraham that through him a nation would be birthed. Later, God changed his name to Abraham, which means father of, you know, at many nations not just multitudes and it was finally when abraham was 100 years old and his wife was 90 and they were beyond way beyond the ability to be able to bear children we know that god did a miracle and it's awesome how many times god works and does does miracles through through babies in the bible and old people in the bible and god loves god loves to use the weak because he is glorified in that. And everyone will step back and say, well, this is God. You know, this is God doing this work. And if we're honest and we're true to the scripture and humble our hearts, again, which of us tonight, God, God even says he remembers our frame is frail and we're but dust. And so let's humble our hearts before the Lord so we can be used by the Lord. But at 100, he brought forth that son, Isaac. And then we know Isaac at about 40 had twins Esau and Jacob and we know they fought in the womb and the Bible says God hated Esau and he loved Jacob and God in his foresight knew that Esau would be a fornicator a profane man that he would sell his soul for a bowl of soup can you imagine that and you look at that think what in the world who would do that and yet look at the world around us people selling their souls you know what for a bowl of soup more or less just carnal pursuits versus going you know what I need to trust in the Lord and put my hope in him. We know that, again, God molded and made Jacob at his uncle Laban's house and finally brought him out of that place. We know Jacob, it means heel catcher. He was a bit of a, of a, a manipulator. I'll get it out there. And he went to uncle Laban's house. He was a bigger manipulator. And sometimes God will take the things he needs to get out of us by bringing someone who has a little more of us in them to get us on our knees to call out of the Lord, call to the Lord. And we know that, from there as Jacob really wrestled with God one night and and just held on to the Lord and said I'm not going to let you go 
till you bless me. It was really a picture of Jacob surrendering and just saying, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I only got you, I'm gonna cleave to you. And God changed his name that night to Israel, meaning, you know, the prince of the Lord. And we know through Jacob or Israel, he had 12 children that would become the 12 tribes of Israel. There are technically 13, but it's really 12 because he had one son named Joseph, who was his favorite. And the Bible makes it clear it was his favorite because remember Joseph came through Rebecca, his wife he loved the most. And he had four wives. And let me tell you, if you got an idea to go get a second wife with the wife you have, it never works out well in the Bible. There are always just issues that come up. They did that out of faith thinking they needed to help God bring forth the promise of the Savior. So they said, we have more wives, we'll have more kids. If we have more kids, we're going to expand our footprint so God has, you know what, more to work with to bring forth the Savior of the world. God doesn't need our help like that. He doesn't need our help at all. But we know Joseph was birthed. We know Jacob or Israel showed him great favor, and his other brothers were very, very jealous of him. And remember, he had the coat of many colors, they had the coats of one color, I guess. And maybe they had, you know, if, if your dad liked you, maybe you get two colors or three colors. We, you know, but we do know he had many colors, which that was just like a styling jacket back then. You know, like he's walk, walking around with Gucci and these other guys, you know, got the Kmart brand on or something. And remember, they saw him coming from a distance and there, there's that dreamer. And they also had a grudge against him because God had given Joseph prophetic words. And they didn't want to receive that prophetic word. And part of that prophetic word was uh, that they were all going to come bow down to him in the future. And these were bigger brothers and bigger brothers don't want to hear that from the little brother. But it was a prophetic word and it wasn't just rejecting Joseph. It was really rejecting those words of prophecy. Remember, so he gets sold into slavery. We know he's in Potiphar's house. Uh, praise God, what an example Joseph is as he just stood for the Lord Again, Potiphar's wife, a, a, a high up there in Egypt, longed for him, tried to seduce him. Uh, Joseph could have said, hey, I, none of this is fair, so I'm just gonna give in. But he said, he said, why should I sin against God? She brought a false accusation against him. She's a type of Satan in the Bible. He gets thrown into prison, but God would use that for great good as well. Again, to shape him and mold him during all that time and it's all happening because God wants to preserve Israel because God knew there was a big famine coming. It was on the calendar there. And then remember, he interprets a few dreams. Those guys, he says, hey, you know what? You know, put a good word in for me. And those guys don't do that. And then remember, Pharaoh has those dreams of the skinny cows and the skinny corns uh, eating up the fat cows and the fat corns. And he's like, I need someone to interpret. Then remember, well, Joseph interpreted and he comes and he gives the interpretation. There'll be seven years of plenty, then seven years of famine. And then Joseph just starts throwing down a plan. You need to store up and you need to do this and that. And Pharaoh goes, well, we need someone to head this up. Hey, you're our guy. <laughs> and amazing how God takes him from the basement all the way to the top overnight. And it was really just because he trusted in the Lord. And God was using him in all those trials and so forth to shape and mold him and to test him and his character to be built and so forth. And remember, he gets in that place, and surely after those seven years of plenty, there's seven years of famine. And we know what happens from there. It ends up drawing Jacob and the brothers down there to Egypt. Those brothers have to go, and indeed, as was prophesied, they're bending knee before their brother. And he fools around with them for like two, three chapters of the Bible. It's just, you know what, 
it's some of it's just comedy what's unfolding there and then finally he says i'm your brother and they're like oh you know and they think oh we're we're dead for sure and yet he shows them great grace brings the father down sets them up nice there in egypt and then after their father dies they're like oh surely he's going to take us out now and he says listen what you meant for evil god meant it for good and look at we can stand on that promise at every single turn we know from there they begin to multiply greatly in egypt and we know that pharaoh that they had favor from eventually died and we know that then the egyptians begin to despise and loathe the israelis and they begin to oppress them and the more that they oppress them the more they put tribulation on them the more they multiplied and again there's an application in our life through trials and tribulation god grows us god matures us and so forth and they grow they grew greatly and they multiplied we'll talk about some of these details of these things on sunday and then remember they came to the point where they said let's start killing their baby boys so that we can you know what decrease their numbers we'll take their women for ourselves and that kind of thing and yet even in that god worked and moved it was a test and we saw certain you know what um doulas or you know what these these uh midwives say we're not going to kill those babies and god honored them and god blessed them when they said we're not going to fear pharaoh we're going to trust in the lord it's a glorious thing and then we see moses's parents they get this baby boy and they said we're going to trust in god too we're not giving our baby up we're going to put him in a little ark you know a second ark you know the first one noah and them and now moses on a little ark we got an ark tonight you know that it's not this building it kind of looks like an ark it's the lord jesus christ he's our ark he's our savior we're floating down the nile here and we're in the lord jesus christ and we can trust in him and we again know the pharaoh's daughter found her and i always like to point this out you know what she obviously was pro killing the israeli babies until she saw one because when she saw one she said i want to save them and i'll tell you again that's where truth needs to get out and that's why there's great value in things like sonograms and even those 3d cards we got out there of a baby at, i think it's those are 12 weeks where it's almost fingers and everything look at jesus said the truth will set you free and it's why important we're educated on these things and look at we support these things and we get that truth out there because the world wants to say oh that's just that's just a blob in there you know that's all a bunch of tissues that's nonsense and so she saw and she changed and we know we know that moses was raised there in pharaoh's house but he understood he was an israeli and he had interaction with aaron his brother and miriam his sister and he understood the gospel even in getting raised in the philosophies of the egyptians and so forth and then finally it came to in his heart when he was about 40 look i got it there's a burning on my heart there's a burning on my heart to stand up to this there's a burning on my heart to minister to these israelis and so forth and remember he saw a couple of them fighting and and you know what he he told them you guys need to stop and they said oh you're going to kill one of us like you did that egyptian the other day remember all that and then moses knew oh no they know and so moses fled and he was in the wilderness for 40 years there with jethro and he got a wife out there zipporah and he had a couple kids ephraim and manasseh and so forth and you know here he is now at 80 years old and and it, you know probably thought man i could have done this or that or the other and now i'm here out here tending to these few sheep 
And then he came, remember, to a burning bush. And the Lord spoke to him out of that. And, you know, God said, look, I got a plan for you. I'm gonna, I wanna send you back to Egypt and you're gonna tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And, uh, well, who do I tell him sent me? He says, I am. That's my name, I am. And indeed he is. And we know Jesus said before Abraham was, I am and declaring his deity. And so, you know, Moses tries to come up with all these excuses why he can't do that. And God just says, you're not gonna get out of it more or less. I'll let your brother Aaron be a mouthpiece for you. And then we see the unfolding of all that in Egypt where he goes and says, hey, God says, let my people go. And he's basically like, who are you and who is your God? Well, Pharaoh was gonna find out who his God was. And we read about all those plagues that came on the Egyptians. And finally at the end, they, they load these Israelites and they're like, just get them out of here. And that last plague came where the angel of death was gonna come through Egypt. And the Lord said, if you sacrifice a lamb and if you put the blood on your doorpost, that angel of death will pass over. And the Israelis, Israelis trusted in God and they did that. And also many of the Egyptians did because when they finally left, a great mixed multitude left with them. They said, we want your Lord. We don't want these false deities anymore. We, we've been convinced through all these plagues and so forth. And so again, they put the blood over their doorposts and that angel passed over. And again, 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 another picture of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. In Christ, we're covered by the shed blood of the Lamb tonight. We are seen forgiven and washed. And absolutely, we know that death will die practically, but death will pass us over in the sense we are gonna enter in to newness of life and everlasting life in the Lord. And so again, they're led out there. They're led out of out of Egypt through that Red Sea. And then we know the Egyptians chase them down. We're like, oh, God brought us out here to die. You hear that for like the next four chapters of the Bible, even though God had just shown so strong to him his hand. And then God says, hey, look at now that you're out here, it's time to go into the promised land. Look, he even delivered from Egypt. And we know Egypt's a picture of the world. And now it's time to go walk in fullness of life. That land that I promised to Abraham back in the day, that land of Canaan, a land of milk and honey and great abundance. It's time to go walk in that land. And so we know Moses sends out 12 spies to go check out the land. And 10 of them come back and say, we can't take that land. It's full of giants. And they brought some big old grapes and this and that and the other. And um, we'll get into all that. We touched a little bit of that and kind of our end time stuff, these giants. And... Um, there was two guys though, Caleb and Joshua, that said, these giants are nothing. God's promised to give us this land. We'll go and we'll take him down. And sadly, these 10 that did not trust in the Lord, their word prevailed. And all the people said, well, we're not gonna go. And so we know as a result of that, there are 40 years in the wilderness and the declaration was made, this generation has to pass away before the next generation can actually go in. You're all gonna pass away except for two guys, Joshua and Caleb. And so 40 years at this point has passed. All these just, you know, wild things went on during that wilderness. Uh, boy, read the book of Numbers. Some, oh, Numbers, that sounds boring. Dude. There's some of the, craziest supernatural things that unfold in the book and numbers and so forth. Love that book. And then finally, again, and God establishes the priesthood and all these things. And then finally there, and this is where we'll come to where we are tonight. 
we see Moses passing and we'll touch on why Moses never got to go into the promised land and the baton to lead Israel's handed off to Joshua 40 years have gone it's time to get up and go in now it's time to move into that land of milk and honey and look at we're going to see this application throughout this through Jesus Christ we're saved and we're brought out of the world but then from there God wants us to be walking in abundance in the fruits of the Holy Spirit in the power of God in the joy of the Lord but to do so we have to walk by faith we have to walk in the prescribed manner God has put before us and he's given us his spirit to help us to do that. But there's a lot of people that have come out of the world or out of sin, so to speak, or where they were lost to the Lord and they don't want to take those next steps and they move in limbo in a wilderness and they don't have the joy of the Lord and they live a lukewarm existence and they're, they're, they're kind of an inept, powerless Christian when that doesn't have to be the case. And there's a great application for that throughout the book of Joshua. So notice here, verse one of Joshua. I didn't do too bad there. How long was that? I know it wasn't, was it 15? Was it 15? I, I was 14. 14, thank you. <laughs> That's also a little preview for this Sunday, but some really neat details in there and just awesomeness of our Lord. So after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, So Moses did not go into the promised land, and we know that at one point God had told him to speak to a rock, that water would come out. And again, the fact that we were provided for a couple million people in that wilderness for 40 years is a miracle. And he finally just got at his wits ends with these people that complained all the time. And instead of speaking to it, it's kind of Moses' one little blunder. Remember, he took that stick and he just began to beat that thing. He's like, Here, here's your stinking water, you know, more or less. And you know what? Basically, the Lord says, you misrepresented me out there. I'm not, you know what? I get you're frustrated, but it's not representing my heart. And he says, as a result of this, you're not gonna go into the promise. And look, at there are bigger reasons for that than just him beating that, that rock with a stick. But we do know that the Lord, we read in Deuteronomy 34, 5, God did let Moses see into the promised land. And it's a real interesting account of his death. It says, so Moses, there Deuteronomy 34, 5, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, specifically on Mount Nebo, according to the word of the Lord. And this is really interesting. And he buried him. Who's the he? God. God buried Moses in a valley in the land of Moab opposite of Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And so uh, every once in a while you hear me pray, I'm all like, Lord, give us vigor, give us unction. It's from these verses. Lord, I want vigor to the day I die. Moses had that. And it says the children, and we'll come back to this in a second, the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. A lot of thoughts on Moses' body, you know, them not knowing where it was. We know in Jude 9, it says, Michael the archangel contended with the devil over the body of Moses. And basically Michael didn't bring an accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And so they didn't know where Moses' body was buried couple thoughts with that the one thought is that if they knew where the body was they'd dig it up and maybe worship it because remember the pole that 
Moses was held up to represent Christ when they got snake bit, they end up worshiping nothing. So that's one thought on it. The other thought is that perhaps Moses is one of the two witnesses because we do see Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration with Elijah ministering to Jesus. I don't know if that's the case, but it's a thought behind that. What we do know is that no one knows where he's buried, but God knows where he's buried and God knows what he is doing. Now, again, Moses mainly did not enter that land though because Moses represents the law. God gave us the law through Moses. Look, if man was a sinner, God gave the law to show men they were sinners. God gave them the full Levitical law, 600 plus laws, but God gave them those 10 commandments, that moral law. And the law cannot save you. Good works cannot save you. To think I'll be saved through my good works, that is a false gospel. In fact, the Bible says when you try to get saved by good works, all you do is stack up more debt. The law can't save us, but what does the law do? The law shows us we need a savior. Praise God for the law. That's how it is properly used. It shows us that we need a savior. Notice John 1, 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And indeed, the book of Exodus is about redemption out of Egypt. The book of Joshua is redemption into the promised land. By grace through faith, in Jesus were redeemed out of the world. And that's where you get that Passover lamb that brought them out of Egypt, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then through daily abiding in the Lord, that's where we walk in the promised land, so to speak, fruits of the spirit. The Lord said, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's being a worshiper of God, one that loves the Lord, one in the word, not because I have to, but because he's my Lord and I love him. And out of that comes power and strength and abundance and so forth. We're talking about godly and biblical prosperity, not, you know, the, the world's idea of that. Also notice about Moses, he's called the servant of the Lord. In fact, God says in the next verse, he is my servant. I thought, what a glorious title. And Moses could have had a lot of titles, but God chose to, again, speak at this point at the end of his life, that's my servant there. That's a glorious title if he is your Lord. To the world, that's probably a horrendous title because the world, for the most part, wants to be served. But I would hope that our desire would be to have such a title. And be honest with yourself tonight. What title would you choose amongst men? If you could be, you know, what's your title? Anything you want to put on there. And then what actually is it with God? And this is where we can step back and, do some honest assessments because it's easy to get into that place where we're just serving ourselves and our own affections and so forth. And there's a life found in that because we see throughout the word when we die to self and put the Lord first and serve him and others, life's found. But when we do the opposite, life's not found. Interesting, the Lord's on his way to the cross and in Mark 9, 35 it says, he sat down, called the 12 and said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last and servant of all, starting with God and men. And that's just an encouragement to all of us tonight. Again, it's easy to complain about serving or reject serving and think I gotta go me first and everything else. But let's remember, it's a great honor to be able to serve the Lord. And I'll tell you, life is found in serving the Lord. And there's greater rewards that you can never get out of this world and putting him 
first. So a servant of the Lord. Obviously as well, a great leader of men. An unruly man on top of that. And really there's a key in this to be a leader of men. It starts by serving the Lord. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So Paul said, I can lead you as I serve and I'm led by the Lord Jesus Christ. And think about it. There are great leaders in the world outside of Christ, but ultimately if they're not leading people to Christ, it's the blind leading the blind and ultimately they'll lead them well into a ditch. Now, the Lord says the same thing about Joshua. Look at the next guy up is also a servant. He's been an assistant to Moses for these 40 years. That's a long time assisting somebody. And Joshua always did it joyfully. There's times we see Joshua there at Moses' side in the midst of a lot of the upheaval and the getting of the commandments and so forth, just being faithful, plugging away, accepting his role and doing it joyfully. But now it's time for the next guy to step up. And I'll tell you a couple side notes in this. Number one, God uses servants. If men want to leave properly, and again, God's books always brings out what was done properly and what was not done properly. And there's some things that might look proper at the time, but in the long run, they bring disaster. And sometimes there's some things to men that go, that doesn't look proper. And it actually brings forth, you know what, the Lord's will But here's the thing, real leaders serve God and God uses servants. Wolves and hirelings serve themselves and they eat sheep. And again, Moses and Joshua were leaders of people in the name of the Lord. As it's always said, look at the way up in the body of Christ, it's down. Dying to self, serving others. Leading your home, men. It starts with you serving God and putting God first. That's how you will lead your family properly. And small groups and, you know what, moms alongside of dad doing the same thing and single moms doing that and so forth. Now, one other note, then we'll go to verse two and look at, we spent a lot of time setting this up. Joshua, again, we know the law came through Moses. Joshua, his name means Jehovah saves. And we also know that's where we get the name Jesus, Yeshua. And Jesus is the one who saves. So Joshua, again, just as Moses in some ways was a type of Christ, but he gave the law, Joshua is a type of Christ, Jesus, our savior, the one who saves. Now notice verse two and the pace will get picked up a bit here. Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan. Speaking of the Jordan River, again, they're east of that you and all this people to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Now we already read they had mourned 30 days for Moses and they're saddened because again, Moses has died. They complained a lot against him, but he led them and he ministered to him and now he's gone. Their leader is gone and no doubt they are mourning, they are weeping, but here's the thing, Moses died, but you know who didn't die? God didn't die. And this is a great lesson for us. They had mourned. They had brought that before the Lord. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted. And now notice my Moses servant is dead. And you go back there to Deuteronomy, you see where they mourn. And now he says, now therefore arise. You've mourned, now it's time to get up and it is time to go. Listen, there's a lot of things in this world 
that are gonna bring seasons of mornings upon us. Loved ones that pass away. Tragedies that unfold. You know, just upheavals in life that we weren't expecting. Sometimes again, and we should mourn over our sins. Maybe it's just a, a huge failure. Failure. And, and if you humble your heart and you bring that to the Lord and honesty, he'll minister to all that and restore and give you strength and so forth. And we wanna do that, but we also need to know there's a time for mourning and then there's a time to arise and move forward. And there's a lot of people in this world, again, they lose a loved one, something tragic happens, there's a big upheaval in their life and then they mourn the rest of their days. That is not God's will for you. Do you hear that tonight? That's not God's will for you. It doesn't mean that after you get up, you forget those people and there aren't difficult days, but we see throughout the scripture, God giving seasons of mourning, and there's a season for everything. Ecclesiastes 3, I won't read that, read that tonight. Ecclesiastes 3, there is a time of mourning and being truthful before God and shedding tears before God. And Lord, I wanna lay this before you. I'm weeping before you. I've gone through those seasons before. And it can seem almost like this season's never gonna end. But I'll tell you in the Lord, there is always a time where he says it's time to get up now and it's time to arise and it's time to go forward. We'll see it later on with Joshua even. You know, and again, after they defeat Jericho then they go to Ai and they get routed and he's weeping and God says look at get up off your face and go deal with the sin in the camp got to move forward and basically Moses is dead God's not and he says next man up Joshua that's you it's time to go over the Jordan and beautifully just as they cross the Red Sea in a miraculous way they touched the water and it split. Do you know they did that with the Jordan as well? And so now it's time. 40 years have gone. It is time to go into the land of milk and honey. It's time to rise up, man of God, man of faith, and lead these people forward. You've mourned long enough and you've been in the stinking wilderness way long enough. It's time to get up and go forward. And look at, I just got a sense that, you know what? That word, it's a word for all of us. But just knowing people and, 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 and knowing in a group this size, you know what, numbers and so forth, I, I, you know what, I, I'm not giving a prophetic word, but just, and again, through counseling and interacting people, there, I know there's, there's, there's probably a, more than a handful of folks that have been in that place where it's time to get up and go forward. And if that's you tonight, you, got, you need to receive that and you need to step out in faith and say, look, it's time to get up and start again, rejoicing in the Lord again, growing in the Lord again, getting to doing what God has called me to do to move forward in him. Can we say amen to that? Now again, go to this land I'm giving to you. This land had been deeded to Abraham 400 and let's see, longer than that, like 500 plus years before almost 600 maybe, doing a little quick math in my mind. This land has been deeded to you. This land does not belong to those Canaanites. Those Canaanites were there, but that land did not belong to them. In fact, God had even warned them and the time had come for judgment to come upon them because of their idols and the rebellion against God and so forth. They were tenants in the land. It did not belong to them. God gave it to Israel. And it's time to get up and go take that land. And hear this tonight, not only did I give it to them, 
It's always been theirs. And in the last days, we know God has regathered to Israel and they just got a little sliver of all that belongs to them. But in the millennial reign of Christ, we know Israel will spread out and so forth as God will bring all of Israel. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit in my notes, bring all of them into salvation. And we've seen for weeks on end and actually a couple of years in that end time study, you know, so much of this revolves around Israel. And again, as God's been faithful to them, praise God, he's faithful to us. So again, this was given to the natural children of Israel. We're spiritual Israel, but God is not done with natural Israel. Please go study Romans 9, 10, and 11 to get understanding on those things. It's as simple as can be. It's as clear as can be. Notice three and four, it says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. As I said to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. And there on the map, you see the vastness of, the vastness of it. You know, the great river being the Euphrates that runs through Iraq, north through much of Syria, all the way into the bottom part of Turkey, all the way down again through the middle of Saudi Arabia, all the way over into much of Egypt. And notice all three of those seas, Israel touching the borders of those, those seas and these bodies of water. That's the land deeded to Israel today. The land they have is about the size of a postage stamp, you know, very small over there. But incredibly, all the thing, incredible, all the things that God is doing over there, even in the midst of that small area fulfilling promises and eventually again he'll bring into that place of salvation now again he says everywhere your feet touch is yours so listen they and hear this tonight we are not limited by god but by how many steps of faith they and we are willing to take and I'm not talking with us. I'm gonna go name it and claim it and have a million dollars and this and that. We're not, we're not talking about a distorted false gospel. God's gonna supply all our need practically. We're blessed people tonight. Just look around with that. And if he wants wealth and he bestows it on you, thank him for it, but no, too much is given, much is required. He promised them 300,000 square miles, yet they only ever took possession at the high point was 30,000 square miles, a tenth of it. And that happened because of their lack of faith in the Lord and an appetite for the world and its ways. Again, these promises are laid out before this. Follow me and you'll be blessed. You'll take more land and more land and more land. But if you rebel against me, that land's gonna shrink up. And you read through the kings, you read through the history. A man of God would come along, they would expand their borders. An evil king would come along and it would shrink up. And eventually, again, that pattern of rejecting the Lord would lead them into captivity. They would come back 70 years later as prophesied. We got into all that in the book of Daniel. And then as Jesus prophesied in the year 70 AD, they were dispersed over the face of the earth. But as well as the Bible prophesied in the last days, they were regathered in 1948, 1967. They got Jerusalem. And again, we know they have prospered greatly there practically. They're kind of dry bones that have come together with sinews. But the time is coming when the spirit of God will be poured out on Israel because at the end of that tribulation, they're gonna look on him when they perish and they say he is Messiah. Notice Romans eleven twenty five. it lays this out. 
So all Israel will be saved. As is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Notice, this is my covenant with them. And we got into this in great detail in Romans. We are spiritual Israel. We are sons and daughters of Abraham. Abraham believed and was accounted to them as righteousness. We believe we are righteous, but that does not make natural Israel null and void. And the idea that the church has replaced Israel is utter heresy and yet it's being preached in many places even saying you know we're going to boycott israel and we're going against them and that's occupied territory that is a lie from satan himself that is illiterate ignorant bible teachers and men that lack faith and understanding about the scriptures i'll digress on that because i will go off so israel's ownership of the land is unconditional they've always owned it but their possession of the land is conditional if that makes sense and you see it throughout the old testament again the more they trusted in the lord the more they possessed the more they trusted in themselves and rejected the lord the more they didn't there's application for us ephesians 1 3 says that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places how much of that did we walk in though Again, the Lord said in Matthew 16, 24, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it. That's just not talking about when we first came to Christ and were saved, you know what, and born again. Yes, that, that's true and solid and yes and amen. But he's also talking about our daily lives. Am I gonna die to self and live for the Lord and take steps of faith in these areas and be sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ? Life is found there. Fruits of the Holy Ghost are found there. Power from upon high is found there. But when I say, hey, Jesus is my Lord, but I'll be doing my own thing over here, that's going to be a dry, that's going to be a dry, fruitless waste of a life. Man, the promised land, milk and honey is so much better than wandering about the wilderness, complaining and so forth. You know what? A, a, a lack of growth, that, you know, that tree that's not bearing fruit. God has so much more for us. Verse five, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And Joseph, Joseph, or Joshua knew Moses' life, all that he went through. This guy went through some crazy things, but God was with him every step along the way. And he says, just like I was with him, I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna give you power to stand before men i'm gonna be with you i'll never leave you nor forsake you guys we have the same promises acts 1 8 you should receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you you should be my witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria the ends of the earth in other words i can stand in strength before men because of the lord And then he tells us multiple times, Hebrews 13, five being one, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hear this tonight. The Lord said, I am with you to the end of the age. Isn't that awesome? Next, he says, be strong and of good courage. For to this people, you should divide an inheritance to the land, which I swore to the fathers to give them. So Joshua, you got this task before you, but know this, be strong and of good courage and that's where maybe joshua could have said but wait wait my frame is frail and i am but dust be strong and of good courage 
Well, you know, where do you hang your hat on that? Be strong and of good courage. Why? Because I said, God says, I'm giving you the land, so be strong and of good courage. I've given you a promise. We're called to be strong and of good courage, not fear men. Why? Because of God. You take God out of the equation, we should be, our knees should be knocking in this world we're living in right now. Because there's a bigger and bigger target getting on Christians' backs that want to really represent God and want to be fundamental when it comes to truth. You don't need to fear that. If we focus on them, fear will come. Let's focus on the promises of God. Perfect love casts out fear, but fear brings torment. He says, verse seven, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all of the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Notice he takes them back to the word of God. And do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. So he says, be strong and very courageous so you'll do what the word says. And to do what the word says, it always takes strength and courage. And again, praise God, he wants to give us strength through the spirit of God, through worship, prayer, getting the word in us. But he gives a promise. He says, in doing this and not deviating to the left or to the right, be strong and courageous, be encouraged, encourage, courageous, encourage, they go together because you will prosper in everything that you do. You'll have success. New Testament prosperity is this picture of abounding in Jesus. A successful life in Christ is a life lived for Christ. Again, let's remember the things highly esteemed amongst men are an abomination to God. We don't use their chart to mark success and prosperity. We look at the word of God. We look at eternity. And yet we're living in a day where many are deviating from God's word to the right, to the left. You see it all over the place. And there's not gonna be a prosperity in the sense of real fruit, there's a price to be paid in that. The Lord even speaks to that church of Laodicea, that church that deviates from the word and brings opinion. And let's go to the right to get opinion. Let's go to the left to get opinion. He says, I'm gonna vomit you out of my mouth. He says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. In Galatians 5, 9, that's not a prosperity. And I'll tell you, with a lot of these issues in the world today, the world's desperately, the enemy's trying to desperately, let's get a little bit of this in the church. Let's get them to, deviate from the word a little bit so we can get a little bit of this in there a little bit of compromise a little bit of error let me tell you you know what leaven does a little bit eventually it gets in the whole lump i talked about this recently no one is born gay and no one you better believe is born again gay but this idea is being peddled you're born gay and now you're born again gay and it's coming into so many supposed evangelical churches and people say, well, what's the big deal? He says he's celibate. The big deal is you are bringing a lie into the church. Jesus said God created the male and female. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians about that sin and other sins, such were some of you, but now you've been redeemed. That's not our identity. Our identity is in Christ. And the Lord wants to come and heal and change our desires. Is he not faithful to do that? But you bring in that little leaven. We're gonna make a little exception. We're gonna twist it. We're going a little to the left here. I'm telling you, I'm telling you the churches now are ordaining 
gay pastors and all this, that's where they were 10 years ago and that leaven took them where they are now. We cannot deviate from the right or to the left of God's word because again, God's message is better. What a horrible thing to tell a young man struggling with homosexuality. Well, that's how you are. Being a born again doesn't change you. So enjoy your life of celibacy forever and tell everyone you're a gay Christian versus going, listen, son, you weren't born that way. There was obviously influences that came upon you. We're all sinners, but Christ has washed you and forgiven you. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. And now I want to open the Bible and teach you how to have your mind renewed as my mind has been renewed and is being renewed from my sin and the sin that easily entangled me. That's the truth. That liberates people. Verse eight, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night and observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. And I got Psalm one in there that it talks about, you know what, the man that meditates on the word, he'll be like that tree of planted by living waters and everything he does will prosper. Again, Bounding in the Lord. We're on page five. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Third time we've read it. It's a command from God. <laughs> be strong and good courage. Remember we read in Revelation, cowards won't inherit the kingdom of God. That's not predicated on us. Well, if Jesus plus, I can't be a coward. But it's talking about those that again, they want to go about their own way. They don't want to, Come to the Lord and the Lord Jesus. Be strong and of good courage. Again, do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. God's peppering them with this because the last time they sent spies in, they were all fainting and they were dismayed. They're big, they're bigger than us. Well, our God's bigger than them. And that's why I say you remember that. Get that before you. God's bigger than them, so be strong and courageous. Don't deviate from God's word. Stand in the word. And again, why? Because the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Listen, guys, remember that. When we get in these situations and we want to shrink back and we're fearful of stepping up and doing what God's called us to do, wait a minute, God's with me. God's with me. If God's for me, then who can be against me? We gotta be strong and courageous in these days. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 27, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And if you do that again, there's gonna be boos and hisses and threats. But he says, do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And then look at this encouragement. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you have more value than many sparrows. Notice 10, then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourself for within three days, you will cross over this Jordan and go and possess the land which the Lord God is giving to you to possess. He's like 40 years is long enough. It's time to saddle up and ride. It's time to move in. The old groups passed away. Time to move forward. 
We'll touch more on this throughout the study, but we know two and a half tribes, Reuben, the Gadites, and half of Manasseh, which was a huge, huge tribe. And some of the conquests on the, the victories on the other side of the Jordan, they, they got great masses of land. God even multiplied their cattle and such in that time. And they said, hey, can we just have this land here? And they sought the Lord and God said, yes. Because though it was on the other side of the Jordan, it was still part of their allotted land. Issues came out of that and we'll get into that later down the road. But it was told them, yes, but when they go in to take Canaan, you gotta go in. You can leave your women and children, but the men, the men of valor, the, the fighting men need to rise up and go. And so this is what's, who's addressed in these next verses here, 12 through 15, and then we'll finish this out. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. Everything goes back to the word. The Lord your God is giving you rest and giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. They're still on the east side. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord has given your brethren the rest as he gave you. And they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession. And I love this, enjoy it. Which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of the Jordan towards the sunrise. So you guys are blessed here. The other tribes help you get this land. You've been ministered to help. And now it's time for you to rise up and go help them. And after that, you can come back and enjoy this. It was time for them to keep their word. And praise God, they would keep their word. Boy, keeping our word's a huge thing. And then again, I love it. Then you can go back and enjoy it. And listen, in this passage, be strong and encourage a lot about spiritual warfare and so forth and all these things. But praise God, in the midst of all of that, we're called to enjoy our Lord and even enjoy our life. You know, last three and a half years, all this going on, you know what? I've enjoyed my life the last three and a half years. I've enjoyed my life today. Yeah, there's been some trials and tribulations and ups and downs and so forth, but my God's on the throne. How many times we don't enjoy our life? You know why? Because we're not enjoying our Lord. We should be the most joyful people on the face of this earth. Verse 16, so the answer Joshua saying, all that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. And they would keep their word in that. I like what they say next. Just as we heeded Moses and all things, so we will heed you. So they're acknowledging next man up. He's in charge now. And I love this though. They said, only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. So look at, we're gonna follow you. Basically they're saying, as long as you follow the Lord. And that should be the litmus test to leadership that we're under. If they're following the Lord, I'm gonna follow them. But if they wanna deviate from the Lord and the word of God and go to the left and to the right, I am not obligated to sit under such leadership. Because that is not leadership being led by the Lord. Let me tell you, leadership is a huge responsibility. You're not just accountable for yourself, but the people that you are leading and they got it. 
He says, whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. So they said, out of our group here, we're coming to follow you and to take that land. And if any of our groups, the Gadites, the Reubenites, and half of the Manassites, I don't know, maybe I don't know how they deviated the one Manassite from the other, you know, Manassite. Any of our group, if they rebel and don't follow, put them to death. We ain't messing around here. And boy, it's not the wages of sin death. And then notice what he says, only be strong and of good courage. So listen, we'll take care of this sin. You be strong and of good courage. You trust in the Lord because that will make it easy for us to come and follow you. We want to get behind that. We're here all day long for that. We've seen all these kings get blasted over here on this side of the Jordan. We're up for a fight. We're ready to roll. We're ready to go. What a great first chapter, wouldn't you agree? Heavenly Father, we bless you. We give you praise, glory, and honor. We just thank you that you are good. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the one who saves. And we thank you for the invitation, Lord, to walk in fullness of life, the abundant life found when we abide in you. Give us strength there tonight, God. Give us courage tonight. Undergird us, Lord. I I just pray, Lord, you know what, in, in, in giants and tall tasks and things that would make knees buckle that, Lord, any in this room are facing, that even tonight, God, I hope that they've drawn strength from you, that their faith and our faith has been built through the scriptures. We're not reading about just some text applied for another group. This is for us tonight. And even all these things that happened, they unfolded with even us way down here through history and mind you're so awesome god you're so good jesus we thank you that you came and laid down your life to save sinners and lord i hope tonight we're all born again and saved but there's any here tonight that haven't called on you listen today's the day of salvation the lord wants to wash and cleanse you be the lord of your life call on him that means you're asking him to be your god you're turning from sin you're turning to him you're saying, Lord, here I am, save me, meet me where I'm at. I believe you died and rose from the grave. Be my Lord. Any in that place, meet them where they are, God. Maybe they're at home watching online, meet them where they're at. Maybe they're gonna listen to this two months down the line on some archive, meet them where they're at. We bless you, we praise you, we give you glory. We pray these things tonight in Jesus' name and we said together, amen. God bless.